I have always, at least ever since I can remember, had a kind of longing for death. Ah, oh, Psyche, I said, have I made you so little happy as that? No, 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 she said. You don't understand, not that kind of longing. It was when I was happiest that I longed most. It was on happy days when we were up there on the hills, the three of us, with the wind and sunshine, where you couldn't see Gloam or the palace. Do you remember? The color and the smell, and looking across at the gray mountain in the distance. And because it was so beautiful, it set me longing, always longing. Somewhere else, there must be more of it. Everything seemed to be saying, Psyche, come. But I couldn't, not yet, come. And I didn't know where I was to come to. It almost hurt me. I felt like a bird in a cage when the other birds of its kind are flying home. I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. was from chapter seven uh, until we have faces, which we are going to get into right now. Yep. Um, but before we do, who are you? <laughs> That's a deep question for Ash yes. Wednesday. We'll answer uh, it in the shallowest way possible. <laughs> I'm Annika Smith and I'm a lawyer in New Jersey. That is, that is the shallowest way. Yes. Possible. Yes. So if I drove up to New Jersey, would I be able to see your name on a billboard yet? Not yet, but uh, I, I could. I could now hold myself out uh, as a lawyer. So that's that's pretty fun. That's great. That's great. Yeah, and congratulations on that, by the way. Um, I am Chris Pipkin, and I am an assistant professor of English in Georgia. And uh, Megan Logston is, couldn't be with us today. She's still on, I wrote down academic leave. Um, I guess that's, that's a, fair. a good term. Yeah, yeah she's, she's, she's doing the whole seminary thing. And uh, um, she'll, she'll be back again someday, uh, just like Frosty the snowman. So, <laughs> and, and she'll, she'll come back stronger and smarter than ever before. Like the Terminator. I don't know. Uh, wow. But like a Terminator of good, um, a, a, a she positive ends the Terminator. Good? Like, like Terminator two, like the Terminator and Terminator two. That's right. That's okay. Right. Okay. Know. Not a, ter- a Terminator of good. Because that no, like yeah, no, I, I mean, like, goodness, yeah, Terminator coming from a good place, <laughs> like the castle on the mountain. Way uh, to bring it back, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, if you enjoy this kind of thing, um, this sort of banter, um, <laughs> or or even if you just like the inklings and could do without the banter, please do go ahead and leave us a rating on iTunes or or some other wherever else you get your podcast I do, uh, I do uh pocket casts I'm, I'm oh. an android person so yeah all right yeah all right. google podcast will work too yeah um, you can also email us at inklingsvarietyhour at gmail.com I'm not sure how to check that but Megan does and she'll <laughs> she'll forward the emails to us um so that'll work out well um uh, also um if, if you'd ever like to come on the show with us and talk with us about till we have faces. Um, we'd love to have you. Um, so just, uh, you know, let us know if that's something you'd like to do, but how have you been this week, Annika? Uh, I've, I've been all right. You know, it's, um, we're recording this on Ash Wednesday. So we just started Lent and I'm feeling very Lenten. Um, I got a, a sprinkle on the top of my head, sort of like, uh, sort of like salt, just kind of like uh, over a dish, like the pinch of salt on my, the crown of my head instead of the, the smudge on the forehead. So, uh, oh, wow. yeah, <laughs> that was, that was different. Um, and that's because really of the COVID. time that we're in Yeah, waiting until we have faces. 
Well done. Which, which is yeah. like the secret reason that we decided decided to do this book this this year. I mean, we all really love till we have faces, but we were like, oh my gosh, nobody has a face. We've got to do till we have faces. We so. are all veiled. I did think of myself as like I'm barefaced when I was out walking the other day. I'm like, oh, bareface. Yeah, that's right. People yeah. can see. Yeah. I feel suddenly very exposed. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to yeah. be weird how- going. Yeah, go ahead. Going back. No, yeah. But how how are you? How is your Ash Wednesday going? It was pretty good. We kind of did a home thing with home ashes brew. from the church. Yeah, yeah. So we got the full on cross thing and and my kids did and like my youngest was like we were trying to do like a service and talking about like what repentance is and stuff like that, you know, and um not my youngest. My my youngest was like off somewhere while this was going yeah. on because she doesn't have any idea. But uh, but my five year old was like so excited about getting the ashes on her face, and she had this like you know huge grin, you know, and it was like almost shaking with excitement, oh. uh, which you know is not exactly the demeanor um, for Ash Wednesday, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was fun stuff. So I saw a, a short video of Virginia dancing oh, yeah. Mardi Gras with Glencora. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, the sight of like the thought of her going from that party dance to then also still like party ashes. Like I just mm-hmm. want to get these ashes on my face, um, which is yeah. how I'm going to feel once we're all barefaced, yeah. whatever season it is. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I can just picture Virginia and that just makes me really glad. Yeah. 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 She was, she was super excited. Kids get excited about stuff, but it's exhausting. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're very cute. Um, but it's also like, yeah, um, it takes, takes a lot of energy and, and they have a lot and we are outmatched. Uh, so till we have faces was not just a book about 2020 and the beginning of 2021. Um, in fact, it wasn't that at all. It is the 1956 novel. Uh, C.S. Lewis's last novel, actually, he wrote in concert with his wife, kind of talking over every chapter um, with her in the same year, I, I believe, um, that she uh, later passed on uh, that that year. Um, it, it's, a, it's a retelling of the Cupid and Psyche myth that had been sort of um, buzzing around in Lewis's head for decades and decades since he was an undergraduate, it sounds like. Um, and finally, he, he wrote it uh, here as his, as his last novel. Um, and it, we, we've talked about in previous podcasts how different it is in many ways from you know, anything else really that he wrote. And yet still, um, as you were saying before, Annika, still just like very clearly a Lewis novel. Right. Yeah. It's his voice. It's his, and the, the way the themes come out uh, in fiction where you can say things, um, but say them slant. This chapter, especially that we're about to dig into is so there's so much Zengzucht and the weight of glory and the four loves and a lot of his um, great overarching themes coming, coming through and being expressed. And it's, it's just one of my favorites. And I, I love that we have the Zangzook right next to um, the, the basically love is death on like opposite pages here. You mentioned something before about um, about Oriol as kind of a, a Lewis, Lewis putting himself a bit into into the work. Yeah, well, I, I mean, of course, it's not at all autobiographical, right. um, but but Lewis is really up front with um he does this in the four loves. He does it elsewhere um, in his poetry. Uh, and I, I didn't realize this was being written as Joyce was Joyce joy, pardon me, was dying. Um, because it, there's poetry that goes right to this too. Um, but just the, the risk of love and the, the way love leads inevitably to suffering because mm. there's always death involved if, if not yours, then the others, and even just the, the change, which is a death. Yeah. Like, um, there's a, a point I might, um, if it's okay to go with extrinsic material here. Yeah, please. Uh, there's a, a poem 
Lewis wrote uh, about this time, um, and I'm just thinking back over our last uh, conversation about how much he learned from Joy and just picturing him working with her on this whole beautiful opus and also nursing her and watching her uh, cancer progress. Uh, and so he he wrote this poem. I'm not sure the timing, but it seems to be very near the end for her. It's called As the Ruin Falls. All this is flashy rhetoric about loving you. I never had a selfless thought since I was born. I am mercenary and self-seeking through and through. I want God, you, all friends, merely to serve my turn. Peace, reassurance, pleasure are the goals I seek. I cannot crawl one inch outside my proper skin. I talk of love. A scholar's parrot may talk Greek, but self-imprisoned always end where I begin. Only that now you have taught me, but how late my lack. I see the chasm and everything you are was making my heart into a bridge by which I might get back from exile and grow man. And now the bridge is breaking. For this, I bless you as the ruin falls. The pains you give me are more precious than all other gains. Mm. That's lovely. I, it really, I mean, it's not... I love Lewis as a poet because of the ideas, not so much because of the, the meter and the sound, but... Um, right the the pains you give me being more precious um and the way he learned to value the suffering and the grief of love um and that that passage from the four loves about love anything in your heart will be broken um mm. you, you've got to protect yourself and this is where in this conversation between orwal and psyche it's um just the not just the wrestling with the the jealousy and the affection, um, but also the the realization the one most able to love Psyche, um, who when she's most filled with love is most most ready for death. Actually, um, is the one who points out you know they're they're all deaths. Um, when uh, Psyche challenges her and says, oh, you know, it's cruel that you want to leave me. Is it nothing to you that you leave me here all alone? Psyche, did you ever love me at all? Love you? Why, Maya, what have I ever had to love save you and our grandfather, the fox? But I did not want her to bring even the fox in now. But sister, you will follow me soon. You don't think any mortal life seems a long thing to me tonight. And how would it be better if I had lived? I supposed I should have been given to some king in the end, perhaps such another as our father. And there you can see again how little difference there is between dying and being married. To leave your home, to lose you, Maya, and the fox, to lose one's maidenhead, to bear a child, they are all deaths. Indeed, indeed, Orwal, I am not sure that this which I go to is not the best. And I, I, along with the, the loving and the devouring are the same thing. Um, this, this image of, of going to love and going to death of even a, a wedding is a type of death. Um, and I think for, for most of us, that's not at all what we <laughs> think of. Um, but for Lewis and, and just thinking about Antigone um, and the the comparison she makes between going to the grave and going to her wedding bed, like both are a sort of consummation and fulfillment and longed for um, in some way. And I, I just think this is so rich and thick throughout this chapter that um, there, there are just too many gems and I, I should let you get one in here now no that's yeah that's absolutely um um yeah that's absolutely right um they they get at you know the fact that you sort of major changes where you become a different person which of course you can't avoid doing right during life because to live is to be in flux right it is is to be in a, in a state of change but yeah you lose 
people, even if you don't really lose them, right? You lose, you lose, uh, it, it was, it was strongest with, uh, you know, with, with my first child. Um, but, but with all of them to a degree, you know, when you kind of like, you have this little thing that you love more than anything you've ever, you know, had, um, but like, you know, that they're going to be a little bit different the next day and they won't ever be that child that you currently love. Right. Yeah. Um, and then like in a year, they will be like a completely different person. Right. <laughs> they won't remember any of the times you had together. Right. Um, and, and, and in a, and in a like way that child will be gone that you, you know, that, that you love so intensely, like at this moment. Right. And then yeah. you know, even more so in 15 years, right. Um, when they don't want to have anything to do with you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's to, to love is to, is to lose, uh, which, which kind of, you know, the, the, the other, the other sort of way that love is associated with devouring here is that Oriol wants to arrest that process. Um, and, and, and like yeah. from like, a shallower perspective, like very rightly so. She doesn't want to lose her sister, right? Uh, her sister is going to be sacrificed for a stupid reason, or at least a reason that seems stupid to her and seems stupid to the fox, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that is just the king being pragmatic. Um, but she's going to be sacrificed, and Oriol doesn't want to doesn't want her sister to die, right? Which of of course, like nobody would want that right um but you see as the chapter progresses um what type of love this is that doesn't want to mm -hmm. lose her sister and it's because she wants to keep her sister entirely to herself right um and and there's such a there's such a thin line between on the one hand not wanting to lose someone in the sort of in, in, in this sort of sense, at least, you know, in, in this book and, and not wanting to, and wanting to keep someone like for yourself, right. If, yeah. Especially if you intensely, intensely love them with like, you know, all of your emotions, right. As, as Oriol seems to, to do with psyche. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really brilliant. Um, and, and I, I keep complimenting Lewis during, you know, as we're talking <laughs> about this and I, I shouldn't do that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a, this one chapter is a really good exploration of love that desires to preserve, but also desires to keep for oneself, um, that it's right. not ultimately for the beloved's sake. And this chapter just kind of shows that, although, although I don't know that I'd sense it if this were my first time reading through, you know, um, I'd be like, oh, she, the way she loves Psyche is a little bit intense, uh, but <laughs> ultimately she loves her, you know. Um, right. But. Well, especially like just coming from this, this is a crazy scheme. They are going to leave her there. And, and she even shares in this chapter, the, the fear she has, right. Of like, what if, what if the God isn't real and I'm just exposed to die and eaten alive and slowly meet my doom that way, painfully and unable to do anything about it. Like there's that doubt too, um, which, which makes Orwell's protective desire and, and her response, the, the sweetness of being able to comfort her as a reader, uh, like it's, it all seems very reasonable. Um, we should oh. probably summarize the chapter, um, as well. Um, uh, it's, it's really hard not to just like try to dive right into, you know, um, uh, discussion of the, you know, of the, of the ideas that kind of, kind of grip us. Um, but um, she has just gotten permission from Bardia, who's the captain of the guard, um, who is guarding uh, Psyche's uh, room where she's imprisoned uh, or, or this room used for the purpose of imprisonment. Um, uh, she's, she's just managed to convince Bardia to let her go and see her sister one last time. And you have at the beginning, um, a description of the room that, you know, her, her great grandfather who had been King began and never finished. And then she says, Psyche sat upon the bed with a lamp burning beside her. 
Of course, I was at once in her arms and saw this only in a flash, but the picture, psyche, a bed, and a lamp is everlasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just interesting how she fit or how, how Lewis fits that in, you know, right there, which later on psyche and a bed and the lamp will be very, very important, right? In terms of, um, in terms of Oriol's jealous love and the way that she managed to sabotage, she manages to do what she kind of seems capable, more capable of doing after this chapter, right? Sabotaging Psyche's happiness in order to make her dependent on Oriol again, right? This is a kind of love that, that desires uh, Psyche to be dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this, it's this foreshadowing of, of Psyche's betrayal of the God of the mountain um, that, that comes later. Yeah. yeah. And we also get the, that pain of their reversal um, and the, that Orwell is her, her love is such that even she can't stand even to be comforted by Psyche in some ways that it, um, I realized somewhat slowly that she had been petting and comforting me as if it were I who was the child and the victim. Uh, And this, even in the midst of the great anguish, made its own little eddy of pain. It was so unlike the sort of love that used to be between us in our happy times. Right there again is the, the change that's the enemy of affection, as Lewis says elsewhere. And also the the desire to not be helpless and to not be the, the one who needs the other, but um, to be the one who is strong for the other, but because she's all beat up from their father knocking her around mm-hmm. uh, a psyche sees her and says, what have they done to you? And starts mothering her, which is painful, maybe not quite intolerable, but definitely painful. Yeah. And so psyche is obviously being the comforter here when you know, Oriol had hoped based on their old relationship as Oriol being the right. mo- mother figure, right. Had hoped to be able to have the relationship she remembered having during their best days with, with Psyche where she was um, more, yeah, more of the mother figure. This, this also touches on, you know, not only the selfish nature of Oriol's love, but the idea of the idea this old conflict between uh, the priest's religion and the fox's philosophy. So you have um, right after uh, Psyche has just sort of, in a way, like briefly succumbed to her fears and started crying uh, like a child in Oriole feels a little bit of comfort. Uh, Psyche raised her head queen-like again and said, but I'll not believe it after she said, um, after she said, oh, I'm worried that I'll just have to, be out there stranded and die how if there were no god of the mountain right yeah right um but i'll not believe it the priest has been with me i never knew him before he's not what the fox thinks do you know sister i've come to feel more and more that the fox hadn't hasn't the whole truth oh he has much of it it'd be dark as a dungeon within me but for his teaching and yet i can't say it properly he calls the whole world a city but what's the city built on there's earth beneath and outside the wall. Doesn't all the food come from there as well as all the dangers, things growing and rotting, strengthening and poisoning, things shining wet in one way. I don't know which way more like, yes, even more like the house of yes, of Ungit said I, doesn't the whole land smell of her. Do you and I need to flatter the gods anymore? They're tearing us apart. Oh, how shall I bear it? And what worse can they do? Of course the Fox is wrong. He knows nothing about her. He thought too well of the world. He thought there were no gods or else the fool that they were better than men. It never entered his mind. He was too good to believe that the gods are real and viler than the vilest men. Or else, said Psyche, they are real gods, but don't really do these things. Or even, mightn't it be, they do these things and the things are not what they seem to be. How if I am indeed to wed a god? Right, and Oriol gets angry. Uh, again, uh, you know, because Psyche is trying to uh, admit that, um, that maybe the gods have a right to her, right? Um, um, And and Oriole wants to be angry at the gods for taking what was hers away. Uh, And it's painful that this, this parting, which is costing Orwell everything, this is the ending of her world, um, Mm. that it, it seems to 
the parting between her and me seemed to cost her so little. Um, and she starts shrieking at Psyche, actually, um, to, to that they're going to make you food for a monster. It's even interesting in talking about the, the fox and the priest, just the structure of Orwell, like looking back on her life and writing this all out, like this is my case against the gods. And she's going through this narrative as an old woman. Um, and she she's able to comment on her own thoughts at this moment. Um, had I not come to her to give her comfort, if I could surely not to take it away, but I could not rule myself. Perhaps it was a sort of pride in me, a little like her own, not to blind our eyes, not to hide terrible things or a bitter impulse in anguish itself to say and keep on saying the worst when she's saying, you know, what if you might be more the brute's prey than a God's bride? Like the, you've, you've got to see, okay, maybe there is loving, but it's also still devouring. And that questioning her own motives in that um, and, and examining in the retelling and finding that she was not so, so there for comforting her sister as she may have thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's one of the really brilliant things. Uh, there I go again. Um, that's one of the that's one of the uh, things about this book um, that the book itself is having an effect on the person mm-hmm. writing it as they're writing it, right? Um, which is uh, which is interesting. Like you have uh, plenty of other Lewis books, plenty of other books in general, where you know there's a reason for the book being written down, right? Um, uh, you know, the, you know, we need, we need a record of this, or we need to send this message to these other people or, you know, epistolary novels or whatever else. But this is kind of an interesting way to tell the story so that an unreliable narrator is becoming aware of their own unreliability when they thought they were a reliable narrator and, and course correcting as they're, you know, as, as they're kind of writing, telling. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's uh, it's it's super cool because the work itself, the thing you know, the thing that she is writing is dynamic as well, right? It's not just descriptive, but it's having an effect on her. Um, that it's you know where where she's yeah, her own telling of her story sort of to herself is causing her to remember things and um, and realize that she wasn't being in- entirely fair. Um, but of course, at this point, as she's writing it down while she's having to be completely honest, we don't have that change of heart as reflected as fully as we will get it, um, you know, toward, towards the end, but it's, it's, uh, it's just so um, dynamic um, the way, the way this is done. Yeah. So, I mean, that's chapter seven, right? Um, Is is there anything else to say about chapter seven? Oh man. I mean, the the longing and the death, like the, Mm -hmm. I think the connection here too, of, of Zengzukt, of that inconsolable longing with death and joy and, and how, I mean, this is the theme throughout Lewis, the, the pain of that longing, how it hurt. And that, uh, that simile, I felt like a bird in a cage when the other birds of its kind are flying home. Um, which feels very like, like that's, we get jewel in the last battle, um, having that same, you know, I've come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. And I think one of the things Lewis is really so profound or so good at getting at this really gut level, soul level truth for, for all of us, um, and this is one of the first places where you see it linked with, or, or one of the places where I see it most linked with death and that being the, the, the natural thing. Yeah. The um, yeah, because he doesn't, he doesn't connect it much. He doesn't connect Sung uh too much. If I'm recalling correctly with death and like surprised by joy. Right. He's, he's, he's talking about it as a young man, maybe beauty. Um, right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know, when he reads Fantasties, um, you know, it has some death-like 
aspects to it Im- imagery to it um a lot of the things that he finds joy in are reminiscent of death right like uh this kind of like autumnal twilight of the gods sort of you know sort, sort of thing right uh, but um, but he doesn't really connect it to his own death, right? He's not like when right. I was fighting in World War One, and I was sure I was going to be, <laughs> you know, uh, destroyed. That's when I felt the most joyful of all, you know, like, at least I don't remember him saying anything like that. Yeah, both both here and in The Last Battle, which are written pretty dang closely together, um, you, you have this same idea of um, uh, death is the entrance to the sort of platonic world of forms which is also the christian heaven right um and and the new heavens and the new earth mm-hmm. or new heavens and the new narnia right so um, and, and the you know castle on the mountain um, yeah this is when she's uh talking to orwell and saying you know do not let greet shut up your ears and harden your heart is it my heart that is hardened never to me nor mine to you at all but listen are these things so evil as they seemed the gods will have mortal blood but they say whose if they had chosen any other in the land that would have been only terror and cruel misery but they chose me and i am the one who has been made ready for it ever since i was a little child in your arms maya the sweetest thing in all my life has been the longing to reach the mountain to find the place where all the beauty came from and that was the sweetest. Oh, cruel, cruel. Your heart is not of iron, stone, rather. I sobbed. I don't think she even heard me. My country, the place where I ought to have been born. Do you think it all meant nothing, all the longing, the longing for home? For indeed, it now not feels not like going, but like going back. All my life, the God of the mountain has been wooing me. Oh, look up once at least before the end and wish me joy. I'm going to my lover. Do you not see now? I only see that you have never loved me, said I. It may well be that you are going to the gods. You are becoming cruel like them. Just, I love that so much. Sorry. I, yeah. Yeah. We may get in, in trouble for just reading aloud so much of the text, but um <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge if we come to it. Maybe that's when we know we've made it as podcasters. Um, yeah, but that that the the contrast of like psyche wanting to be wished joy. She is looking on this as the fulfillment of that deep zengzucht, that inconsolable longing for home, mm. and. Oral looks at her and is just like, why you hate, you must hate me. And, and that too, I think really gets at the tension of um, what it's like for the family of a convert uh, for, mm-hmm. for anyone. And I think it's true, whether it's like someone who's found uh, enlightenment or super vegan or Mm -hmm. Christian. Um, but like you, you are finding your ultimate fulfillment in this crazy thing that is going to destroy you. And you never loved me. Mm. Ah, such a betrayal. Yeah. 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 And so on that bitter note, right. Um, (laughs) the, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's not even bittersweet, right. It's just, plain old bitter you know they have to they have to leave each other because party is knocked on the door and um she she made her oath on his sword um mm-hmm. right so they they split apart um so the last spoiled embrace those are happy who have no such in their memory mm-hmm. for those who have would they endure that i should write of it Man. yeah that's a tough way to uh part so then we get to um, to chapter eight, which describes the actual, you know, the actual um, sacrifice, I guess, for for one of a better word, which, of course, it's it's more like leaving her out to die of exposure. Right. But the, the idea is the same. We have this strange, um, you know, bizarre experience that she has um, watching Psyche brought out. Right. Um, uh, and she's sick. Right. Um, so she's not quite in her right mind as she's as she's watching this 
Oh, this is where, so they'd painted and gilded and bewigged her like a temple girl. I could not even tell whether she saw me or not. Yeah. Her eyes peering out of the heavy lifeless mask, which, which they had made of her face were utterly strange. You couldn't even see in what direction she was looking. And that's that, um, that longing for a last look, that longing mm. for that connection and even that being spoiled. Yeah. And this is where I feel like as a, as a narrator, Orwell is very Lewisian. Um, and here she's going to be, I think, as clear as anything in Abolition of Man. It is in its way admirable, this divine skill. It was not enough for the gods to kill her. They must make her father the murderer. It was not enough to take her from me. They must take her from me three times over, tear out my heart three times. First, her sentence, then her strange cold talk last night. And now this painted and gilded horror to poison my last sight of her. Ungit had taken the most beautiful thing that was ever born and made it into an ugly doll. Um, mm. And then she like swoons and falls down the stairs um, and they take her to bed because she has the fever and is too sick. Uh, but that the clarity of that and the, the distillation of this really clear vision of her, basically her charge against the gods that she is bringing, right? Like first, then now mm-hmm. all three like these are these are the what you have done to me and she's not at all wrong i mean the 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 inversion here of their father instead of being protector being murderer who profits from the death of his daughter right the the weird making her look like a prostitute when she's this beautiful uh, natural creature. Um, yeah. And then the, the sundering of their relationship, like these are, these are very real grievances and delivered skillfully and succinctly. And I, yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's really the, um, one of the most effective chapters uh, doing what she said she's trying to do, right. Which is to write a book against the gods, right. Which, which as it should be, because this is where she actually loses the great love of her life, right. Her, her sister or loses her one of the times she loses her. Right. <laughs> um, uh, she has these fever dreams, right. Everything changed into every into something else before you could understand it. Yet the new thing always stabbed you in the very same place. One thread ran through all the delusions. Now mark it again, the cruelty of the gods. There's no escape from them into sleep or madness for they can pursue you into them with dreams. Indeed, you are then most at their mercy. The nearest thing we have to a defense against them, but there is no real defense, is to be very wide awake and sober and hard at work, to hear no music, never to look at earth or sky, and above all, to love no one. And now, finding me heart-shattered for Psyche's sake, they made it the common burden of all my fantasies that Psyche was my greatest enemy. All my sense of intolerable wrong was directed against her. It was she who hated me. It was on her that I wanted to be revenged. Sometimes she and Redival and I were all children together and then Psyche and Redival would drive me away and put me out of the game and stand with their arms linked laughing at me. So all of her dreams are, um, you know, her um, being pursued by Psyche, being, um, you know, tortured in some way by Psyche. Um, and she views this as the gods are punishing me um, in the most malicious way they can possibly think of, of doing right. Um, not only is she denied the, the last glimpse of, of her beautiful sister and maybe just like, um, a look mm -hmm. where they could know and see and connect and have that moment. She, she's given these distortions and fearful phantoms and her, you know, her tendency is to chalk it up to oh this is another way that the gods hate me right um which it's it's got more to do with her own psychology um are you saying the gods don't send dreams well i'm not but i'm <laughs> saying that that we 
Right. Like the, the everything more, is the more... mediated, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's mediated through us. And even, you know, I think mystical experiences, um, whether dreams or something else are going to be mediated through our own outlook um, so that we never can quite step outside of ourselves. Um, and I think these dreams, this is the way that she sees psyche, even though she doesn't want to admit it to herself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she, she is the jealous evil sister uh, in the, in the story, uh, in the myth. Uh, but she, um, you know, is, is maintaining that, no, I'm not. Um, I loved Psyche more than anything. And, and yeah. Um, and the question is, can we actually love? Do we, are we capable of it? I do love the, the nearest thing we have to a defense against them in that passage you just read, being wide awake and sober and hard at work, hear no music, never look at earth or sky, and above all, to love no one, which yeah. goes back to the you know, love, love anything and your, your heart will be broken. You have to wrap up your heart and keep it safe and protected and, you know, it'll get hard and then it will die. Um, but that's the only way to be safe from heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. Which and kind now of finding yeah, me heart shattered, just the, the finding me heart shattered for psyche's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I feel like that's all very intentional on Lewis's part. Let's see. So She's waking up from her fever dreams. The fox is by her bedside. She, he'd been sitting by uh, her bed for, for many hours. Um, and uh, she's asking the fox what that noise is, right? Um, and, and it turns out that, hey, guess what? Darndest thing, um, after we sacrificed your sister, uh, the drought stopped and now it's, it's raining again. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. So he says, um, uh, that is the reindeer give thanks to Zeus for that and for your own recovery. And I, but you must sleep again and drink this first. And he's like crying as he gives her the mm. cup. Right. Um, yeah. And, and uh, then the, the weakness that comes to her, which is a gift weakness and work are two comforts. The gods have not taken from us. Um, I'd not write it. It might move them to take these also away, except that they must know it already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love that. I wow. just, her, her, her argument, this is, this is her brief against the gods and it's, it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting, this admission, right? When, when he mm-hmm. talks, she talks of the Fox, you know, caring for her and, her, you know, like maidservants caring for her. Um, I was loved more than I had thought. Right. Um, and, uh, which, which is interesting that psyche has to be out of the picture for her to realize that her own people appreciate her. And while they're not like as absolute an object of love as this sort of foster daughter slash sister Mm -hmm. that she has, right. Um, who is like stunningly beautiful. Um, they are, in their own imperfect ways they're with her and loving her so they they have to interpret like why in the world the the drought broke right the shenit was full again the breaking of the drought had come too late to save the crops for the most part uh, one or two fields put up uh, a little but the garden stuff was growing um, the grass was reviving we would save more of the cattle than we'd hoped and the fever was clean gone so no more sickness right birds were coming back um uh, and so things were getting better um in gloom right um and it's all because or at least you know so it seems it's all because they sacrificed psyche which is uh which is interesting um i mean correlation is not causation but right (laughs) right yeah and that's what that's what that's what they kind of talk about right on on page 97 a few days later when the fox was with me often he could not be for the king needed him i said grandfather do you still think that ungood is only lies of poets and priests why not child if she were indeed a goddess what more could have followed my poor sister's death than has followed it all the dangers and plagues that hung over us have been scattered why the wind must have changed the very day after they had 
I found now I could not give it a name. The grief was coming back with my strength. So was the fox's. Cursed chance, cursed chance, he muttered, his face all screwed up, partly in anger and partly to keep back his tears. Greek men cry as easily as women. It is these chances that nourish the beliefs of barbarians. How often, grandfather, you have told me there's no such thing as chance. You're right. It was an old trick of the tongue. I meant that all these things had no more to do with that murder than with anything else. They and it are all part of the same web, which is called nature or the whole. That southwest wind came over a thousand miles of sea and land. The weather of the whole world would have to have been different from the beginning if that wind was not to blow. It's all one web. You can't pick threads out nor put them in. And so, said I, raising myself on my elbow, she died to no purpose. If the king had waited a few days later, we could have saved her, for all would have begun to go well of itself. And this you call comfort? Right, so this uh, this sort mm-hmm. of... Um, question of well why didn't happen and and the fox's view of you know weather and all of these things is as woven together um it's very similar to some of the questions that lewis asks about prayer you know sort of elsewhere Mm. and tries his best to answer you know where he's where he's kind of talking about like okay so if world events are set in motion we can point to obvious like causes of of these world event events what what does prayer do, right? How, how does prayer actually bring about changes in our world, right? And uh, yeah, it's an interesting um, similarity to his, to, to his own kind of preoccupation there. And I forget how he answers that question because um, <laughs> it never really bothered me that much. Um, and, and apparently You're like, of course, prayer about- works. I'm, I'm with the priest on this one. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, there are different kinds of causes, right? Uh, and I think that might even be what he, what he ends up getting at. I don't, I need to read letters to Malcolm, but yeah, this whole thing with, with human sacrifice, there's a ton to talk about in this passage, but it is interesting that, you know, it does in, in the world of gloom, right. It does seem to work just as it does. Like even like the Greeks who are very, very much like, do not sacrifice humans. We don't do that. That's not a thing we do anymore right? Even they had stories of like Iphigenia being sacrificed mm-hmm. to uh, Artemis and, and that being the thing that clears the winds away so that Agamemnon can sail on to Troy, right? Which is referenced here, right? Yeah. Like Orwell tells the fox like, oh, I, I missed out being Iphigenia, but I can at least be Antigone. Right. Yeah. I can go give her a burial. Yeah. So yeah, by the end of the chapter, she's decided to, you know, strike out and go up to a place where her sister was was left. Um, that's the resolution that this chapter kind of ends with. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting how often I, I think even in the Bible there are, there's a place, and I forget exactly where, where a king like sacrifice. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's Jephthah. Um, I think it might be some pay some pagan king some. Um, Canaanite king or something like that, um, who like sacrifices his child, and there's such a fury um, as a result of that in battle that um, that it like actually like knocks the Israelites back a bit. Um, uh, which I'll be very embarrassed if that is nowhere in the Bible because um, you know I've just said it on a podcast, but um, <laughs> but I remember I remember something like that happening, and I don't I don't remember exactly. Uh, we know Jephthah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mesha. Second Kings 3. Uh, the votive offering of a child appears to be an extreme and desperate wartime measure to achieve victory. Okay. Second Kings 3. Thank you, biola.edu. Ah. And also the Google. Oh, yeah. Then he took his eldest son, who should have reigned in his stead, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel and they departed from him and returned to their own land. So everyone's freaked out because the king took his eldest son, like the most precious child in his whole world mm-hmm. and burnt him on the wall for everybody to see. And there was great indignation. I wonder what that word means. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like I'd taken it as like the, huh. 
the fighting became so fierce and maybe it's attributing like a psychological cause to yeah. the victory against Israel, but it's just interesting that human sacrifice seemed to have worked even there, even if just on a psychological level. Right. Yeah. So effective. should we reinstitute human sacrifice? I think. What is this Joe versus the volcano this year? <laughs> good year is any to talk about this. Um, <laughs> Things could really, you know, turn around. No, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, everyone. One of one of the issues I always have with this sort of very materialistic, rationalistic. Well, it, it's the reductionary. Like I, I can explain what really happened here. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Or, or even just the, like I've I've read a few books right where, um, you know, written written in our time um, where the gods actually like lose their power or lose their godhood as a result of people not believing in them. Right. Neil Gaiman certainly, and and Mm. others as well, um, where it's like the gods divinity is dependent on their being remembered. Um, And to me, that's such a kind of blind to history way of looking at religion that like these various religions would not have sprung up everywhere. I mean, it, it, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're demonic, maybe they're in some way inspired by God, but they seem at the very least to work. Right. Um, because I, there's no way you'd have sacrifice all over ancient right. culture if it didn't do something. Right. So yeah, maybe it's just some deep thing about our psychology. Right. Um, and I'm just talking about sacrifice generally right now. I'm not recommending right. human sacrifice anymore. <laughs> um, no, but there, well, there is that need to expiate sin, right? And there's mm-hmm. that, I mean, Psyche was a, a scapegoat, right? She was the one they, they put all the, the, the sins of gloom on her. Right. I mean, it's natural on an individual level, but on a societal level, something goes wrong and we say what something's messed up. We've got to get to the root of it and we've got to repent and like get it out so we can be healthy and normal and saved. Um, whatever that looks like. I think that's, it's kind of, you reap what you sow, but I mean, it's also like, like do, do X and you will get Y result. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so interesting that it takes in so many cultures, it seems like it's taken the form of killing something Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Especially like, uh, and I mean, I guess, you know, if that's the way that wealth works, right. Which that's, that's what wealth is in the ancient world. It's flocks, right. It's a, it's a way of giving part of that wealth to the gods, but it's, it's so nothing about it is obvious to me anyway. I I don't know. Um, It's, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Death is required. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating that you have sacrifice of some kind. And in many, many, many cultures, you have human sacrifice as well, including in Glom, obviously. Uh, But, but also, you know, the Greeks gesture toward it, um, even though they forbid it. Um, This is, this shows up in the Bible again, right? Um, It's interesting um, how this, you know, really does seem to be I mean, why, why do it if it doesn't work? Right. Um, if, if there's, you know, if you sacrificed, you know, if, if this King in, I forget Second where, Kings. Yeah. Um, the Canaanite dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah didn't Boab. sacrifice yeah. if he, if he'd sacrificed his son and like nothing had happened more than likely the next year. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the sunk cost is enough at that point. That you're like, well, I gotta be all in for human sacrifice now because I already <laughs> sacrificed my kid, right? Uh, uh, so I, I better be looking for the ways that this worked, right? Uh, so maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's it's fascinating um, that that this is uh, that sacrifice works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or seems to. Um, um, yeah. So we have this Antigone-like decision to go and find Psyche's remains. Uh, anything else we should say about about chapter eight before we wrap up this episode? I mean, we we've already defended human sacrifice, so yeah, I'm... I, I, I don't know how we can I don't know how we can top that. 
Um, oh, oh, um, oh, the Fox's philosophy. Yeah. Um, and, and the way he, you see his inability to, to stand with it. And she, she writes that like, oh, his love got the better of his philosophy as he's like crying out um, while, while trying to talk to her about Psyche. Um, and he says, you saw yesterday, daughter, how little progress I have made. I began to philosophize too late. You are younger and can go further. To love and to lose what we love are equally things appointed for our nature. If we cannot bear the second well, that evil is ours. It did not befall Psyche. If we look at it with reason's eye and not with our passions, what good that life offers did she not win? Chastity, temperance, prudence, meekness, clemency, valor, and though fame is froth, Yet, if we should reckon it at all, a name that stands with Iphigenia's and Antigone's. Um, and just the, I see Oruwal as she's writing through this, like she, she's not taking the fox at entirely face value, like, like the, the words of Psyche have shaken her and, and even seeing his own shakenness has um, affected her, I think. Um, to say no, like it's, it's not like, there's nothing good or right or appointed about losing someone in grief. Like that's no. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I, I resonate and love her for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then that of course drives her desire to go and, and finally bury her sister and give her that, that last dignity that has been denied. And, and do one one act of service if possible, which is which is interesting. It kind of brings me back to slightly earlier in the chapter, right, where um, you know they're describing what happened at the holy tree, and the um, and the king had wailed and wept and torn his robes and embraced Psyche countless times. He'd never done it before, mm. but said again and again that he would not withhold his heart's dearest when the good of the people called for her death. The whole crowd was in tears as the fox had been told. He himself, a slave and an alien, had not been there. Did you know, grandfather, said I, that the king was such a mountebank? We were talking in Greek, of course. Not wholly that child, said the fox. He believed it while he did it. His tears are no falser or truer than Redival's. Um, The fox kind of giving the king some credit for at least meaning it right when 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 he did it and i wonder also you know as as redville is writing this um it's causing us as the reader to sort of read as oriwal sorry yeah yeah i'm sorry as oriwal is is writing this um right i i, I don't know that redville ever learned know, to write became yeah. literate um, but, <laughs> um yeah as oriwal is writing this um she's you know, we're, we're kind of invited to read between the lines and realize, oh, wait, she never really did love Psyche in this pure, true way, right? It was selfish love. Um, but at the same time, like, that's the only kind of love that she can give, right? And and you see this in other places where, you know, Psyche doesn't tell Oriol, oh, you never really loved me. You just wanted me for yourself, right? Like, he, she credits... Oriole with actually loving her, right? Yeah. Um, which, which, you know, as much as a human can, Oriole did, right? Um, it's just the limits of human love are that we try to keep what we love for ourselves. There's, a, there's, there's no real way around that. And you know, even even her father and Redival, as fall as far short as their love fell of Oriole's for for Psyche, they still in their own way loved her. Um, you know, even even if they were like nasty people. Um, but uh, but but they had but they had you know they're they're redeemable, um, right? And and their and their love is redeemable despite their selfishness. Um, but uh, but but yeah, I. I I like that occasionally, you know, as we're sort of like pulled into this, oh, wait, Oriwell has been, you know, has kind of been as bad as the gods this whole time, right? 
we also get this other perspective continually from um, from these other um, often minor characters uh, really admiring Oriole, right? And there there are just different levels of sort of closeness that different people have. And it's not that the people who are furthest from you don't see you as you are in a way they see a different aspect of you that's more foreign um, or more less recognizable to the you that has to live in your own head right um but but there's still there's still credit to you know later on a servant says she was a really good queen right uh, when when he's you know writing uh sort of the the ending uh, i think at like the very end of the book right yeah. um and and you get this like sudden other perspective on on this person who had um who had judged herself rightly you know and 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 harshly but justly right um but at the same time there's always grace as well right um and and that's also from the gods um in in this um and and being able to credit someone with the good that they have alongside the selfishness and and you know to wit she sets out to do this unselfish thing at the end to bury her sister's remains final things we should say um so here's my goofy question if if someone was going to make a sitcom about till we have faces what sort of form would that sitcom take who would be the wacky neighbor next door yeah what would that would it be kind of like king trom as archie bunker um and uh i was thinking more married with children and like mm-hmm. redival is the like slutty character running off and annoying everybody i don't know that that is hard you also have bada it could like remembering leave it to beaver and how much i hated eddie haskell growing up like he was just the worst do you remember mm-hmm. eddie haskell i don't th- i don't think i know who that is but maybe oh, i recognize him Man, 50s, 50s TV was great. Redival is more of the Eddie Haskell character, maybe. Yeah. Wait, who did, who did it? Eddie, Eddie Haskell is Beaver? No, 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 no. Eddie Haskell was a neighbor kid. So there's the Beave. Oh, mm-hmm. um, and I'm forgetting his older brother, Wally. Wally, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and the Beave was like a mess. You know, like he was the the younger brother, always messing up and annoying everybody, and the father and the mother, and the neighbor kid was Eddie Haskell, and he okay. was always getting them into trouble, and just kind of weaselly, and like would try to be really like present this face to, um, to June, to the mom, of like, oh, you know, I just I wish I could help Wally do this thing, or like you blame her sons, everything was their fault, so. I think I'd go with a nostalgia sitcom um, and have it be set in the period um, when, you know, when, when Oriole said everything was really great. Um, you know, and it was her and the Fox and, and Psyche. And then occasionally like Redible would come in and disrupt things or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It would be like. Bad. It'd be drunk somewhere. Yeah. 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 yeah people people just kind of hanging out under the, I forget what kind of trees, you know, every, you know, every, the beginning of every sitcom, they'd all be like sitting around in the, in the field being tutored by the Fox. Um, and uh, there'd be hijinks having to do with like homework that Oriole forgets to do for Greek um, and has to. Is this like the wonder years or. Yeah. Maybe like when the wonder see, years, yeah. maybe like I think of full house for some reason as a sort of nostalgia comedy even though it's not in the past right it's it's like uh not yes, it's nostalgia past. for our generation but right yeah. but it's like this it's it's a it's an unusual family but it's a family where you know there's always a resolution at the end of every episode and you know you learn your little life lessons and the kid runs up stomping to her room and the fox has to go up there and knock on the door. <laughs> and like, is the fox you? Uncle Joey or is the fox He's Danny? all three of the uncles. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Redible is kind of like Kimmy combined with <laughs> um, an evil Kimmy. 
yeah. Or or Kimmy combined with uh, 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 married with children um, person. Um, What's her face? Yeah. 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 Know. And that, well, that makes sense because then Psyche is uh, Michelle who yeah, yeah. went on to stardom and fame far eclipsing her <laughs> co-stars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sisters to Wanda in WandaVision to bring it full right. circle. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun show. Well, um, Dear listeners, we'd love to hear what kind of a sitcom you would make based on Till We Have Faces or really um, any of the Inklings works. Uh, I think could be fun to discuss as a sitcom. Um, but uh, that's all we have for you this time around. So um, we will see you in, in another two weeks. And until then... Don't let your love get the better of your philosophy. Yeah, yeah. And and, and don't commit human sacrifice. Uh, I know we've said that before, but repeating. Uh, Just really even, want to make that clear. Even yeah. if it makes COVID go away. And not worth it. Restores our economy. Are you sure um, it's not worth it? I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway. Bye, everyone. full of joy, unscheduled on a decent plan, with here an addict of Tolkien, there a Charles Williams fan.